I'm going to help you as much tonight as you've ever been helped probably from Scripture. I want you to give me a heart tonight and take this in from the Word. Uh, we need help in an area in our lives of what's going on in our land right now. This won't get you into heaven. This will get heaven into you in this life. All right, we're going to talk tonight. <clears throat> about um, no stress in the middle of a mess. No stress in the middle. We're going to talk tonight about stress and we're going to talk about peace. Those two are opposite. We're talking about stress and we're talking about peace. And let me tell you something. We need peace in this land today. Yes, sir. Amen. Well, there's not going to be peace in the land until the Prince of Peace comes back. Yes, but you can have peace in you. And we, we need to learn what we're going to see in Scripture. God has a word for you tonight to help you. This will help you in your day-to-day life. I don't want to do a little background uh, before we start here. Uh, people are scratching their heads. You hear people everywhere. Even people who don't believe in God are talking about how crazy it's getting in society right now. There's a reason. All right, we're going to look in this passage. This is prophecy. Prophecy means... God is telling you something way before it gets here. And He makes a prophetic word. Here it is in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want you to watch what He says. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Know this. Just stop right there. Guess what we need to do? You need to think about this. Concentrate on this and you need to know this or understand this. In the last days, when are we talking about? Now this, he's looking way ahead. In the last days, watch this. Perilous times will come. I see the word perilous. It's a Greek word that's better translated stress. Stressful times will come. Does anybody want to argue with me? Has it, has it, have you ever been outdoors? You ever been anywhere? Listen to what the Bible said. You need to understand this. Right before the second coming of Jesus, times are going to get very stressful on the earth. Very hard. It's the same Greek word translated difficult, troublesome. But he said, let me tell you what's going, what it's going to be like on the earth before Jesus gets back. Time's going to get tough. And, it's going, and what's the primary issue there? Stress. Does anybody know of any stress in the land these days? My goodness. What you hear about everywhere now. Stressful times will come. And then he goes on to say, here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. And he, he lists a number of things, but everything evolves around the first two things that he says. He said, stressful times will come. Watch this. What's the first word in verse 2? For or because. Men will be lovers of themselves and lovers of money. And then the, everything that comes out of it evolves around those two things. What's the spirit of the generation before Jesus gets back? Self-centeredness and greed. Lover of self is a self-centered person. The world spins around me. Lover of money is greed. What happens when you get a society where everybody thinks it's all about them? And they become very self-centered and they're, and they're greedy. What happens in a marriage when two people become self-centered? What happens in a home? What happens in a nation? What do he say? It's going to be really difficult to live in these days. It's going to be very stressful because of the selfishness and the greed. Now, let me tell you where this comes from. You say, why, why is this increased so much? I was talking to some 20-some-year-old kids yesterday. I said, I want you to go back and watch a show called Andy Griffith. Yes, sir. I said, that was America when I was a boy in the 60s. You know, what you, you know what's so great about Andy Griffith? No stress. Everybody honored everybody. Everybody was relaxed. Barney flipped his lid once in a while, but Andy got it, walked him off the ledge. But then it is, in my lifetime, we've seen this go from a nation relaxed to a nation at stress, tension. And the Bible said it would happen that way. And then you can read the other things he lists in there. Read like today's newspaper. All right, let me, let me give you a reason for this. People say it's because of politics. No, no, no. Listen to me. Listen to the prophecy. We won't look at it, but in Isaiah chapter 60, in the latter days, darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. Demons, the stress that's in our land today, it's rooted in the demonic. All right, I start to say, let's don't look at it, let's do look at it. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. Now, Revelation's where we get a revelation of the future. 
And Revelation chapter 6, I don't know if you've ever heard this before or not, but Revelation 6 is where we talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And these are powerful demon spirits that will be released in the earth in the latter days. Billy Graham wrote one of the greatest books, The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, that deals with all of them. But I want you to look at one of the horses that's going to be released in the earth. And of course, it, horse, it doesn't mean a literal horse. It's a demonic presence. Now, I want you to look at the second demonic presence, or, or the red horse, in Revelation chapter 6, verse 4. Another horse. Let's read verse 3. He opened the second seal. I heard the second living creature say, come and see. Verse 4. Another horse, fiery red, went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it. What's these words? To take peace out of the earth. What does the Spirit have the power to do? Take peace out of the earth. What's been happening in the last 30 years, 20, 30 years? What's been, it's been accelerated in the last 10 years. People can't get along. Peace is being taken out of the earth. And then he goes on to describe people will war with one another and hate one another and kill one another. What is the root of the stress and strife in the nation and in the globe today? It's this presence that's been released in the earth in the latter days. So we're living in those days. Let me tell you what we need to do. We need godly wisdom in these days. We need wisdom to live in these days. You, you can't be wandering around hoping things work out well. First Chronicles 12, 32. Let me just quote it to you. The sons of Issachar understood the days they lived in that they might know what to do. Listen to that again. These were wise men who understood what was going on in the day they were living so they would know what to do. You need to understand what's going on in the land today so you'll know what to do. And we need to understand... Um, the, land, the, the globe's not going to get any better until the Prince of Peace comes back. I thank God for everybody who's trying to work to bring healing and peace in the nation. Our battle is not with political parties or bad attitudes. This is a darkness that's over the globe right now. All right, and you need to know what to do in these days. All right, so let's talk about that uh, tonight. The, what's the opposite of stress? Peace. Opposite of stress is peace. And we want to talk about peace tonight. And I want to, let me, let, me further, let me go a little further. We won't take time to look at it because we've seen it two or three times here. Isaiah chapter 60 said this, Darkness will cover the earth in that day, deep darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord will be upon you. And His glory will be seen upon you. And Gentiles will come to you and want to know, why are you different? So what are we going to see in these days? The greatest piece of literature, the number one selling piece of literature ever written, started out the first line was like this. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Tell me the name of that book. Tale of Two Cities. Well, let me tell you what we're living in right now. And what we're going into, they're going to be the best of times and they're going to be the worst of times. Darkness is going to cover the earth, but the glory of the Lord is going to be on His people. And you need to be one of those people. Everybody's going to choose. Am I going to be in darkness or am I going to enjoy the light of the glory of the Lord? All righty. Uh, let, me, let me say this. Before we, let me say this about stress. How many of you believe we were created by God? Body, soul, and spirit. Let me make an announcement from Scripture and medicine. God did not design us to live in stress. We don't do well in stress. Our body, not just our bodies, we're three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. No part of us was designed to live in stress. Our spirits, your spirit's what you contact God with and enjoy God with. You can't walk with God when you're under stress. Isaiah chapter 18 is the picture of Elijah, one of the greatest men that ever lived. He couldn't hear the voice of God because he was under such stress. And when all the racket got out of the way, then came a still small voice. And once the stress was relaxed, then he could hear God. Our spirits are not designed to function in stress. How about our emotions? You know, our soul is our emotions, our mind, and our will. <laughs> Nehemiah 2.2, Nehemiah said, the king looked at me and said, what's wrong with you? He said, you're not sick. This is sickness of heart. 
He said, I can tell the stress you're under has messed you up emotionally. Then was we, psychologists are busy today. I was stunned to find out that almost 35% of American women between about 25 and 55 are on medication for stress. 35%. Wow. We're a nation under stress right now. The alcohol, you know we're under stress. Stress affects you emotionally and mentally. Number three, stress affects you physically. Stress, our doctors tell us our bodies can't live under stress. We weren't designed to live under the pressure of stress. We just weren't made this way. Proverbs 14.30, peaceful heart is healing to the bones. I, I had an eye exam this past week, and the little doctor, she said, you, you're, this vision, the little bump you're having in your vision, she said, are you under stress right now? I said, no, ma'am. I said, I, I don't have stress. I said, I give stress. I don't have stress. <laughs> And then she said, well, how about high blood pressure? I said, my blood pressure is perfect. I give high blood pressure. I don't, I don't have high blood pressure. But, but doctors, if you have a certain physical problem, first place they look is stress. I'm going to say it again. God didn't design us to live like this. We're not designed to live under pressure. You can take the most beautiful roses, put them in the deep freeze, they'll be dead in the morning. Nothing wrong with the roses. It's the environment you put them in. Those same, those same roses will, will thrive in a greenhouse. We're designed by God, body, soul, and spirit, to live in a certain environment. What's the environment? Peace. We're designed to live in peace. We're not designed to live in stress. Our bodies don't hold up well. Our minds don't hold up well. We're not designed for it. All right, I want you to turn me to John chapter 14. Let me show you what you need. John chapter 14. I'm going to show you, probably on the same page of your Bible, the greatest, this is one of the greatest problems. I think above salvation, I value peace more than anything on the earth. The Bible says if you've got peace, you can do anything. We may look at it later, James 3.18. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace. You want things to be right? Start in peace. I don't want you to watch this. Great promise. John 14.27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. What, what did Jesus say there? He said, I'm going to give you the same peace that you saw on me. Now, I maybe see two pieces in there. Can you see two pieces? You got the, what they call the world's peace, and then you got the peace of Jesus. Can you see the difference? He said, I'm not giving you the world's peace. Somebody describe the world's peace. Here it is. When everything's going well, and everybody's acting right, and the bills are getting paid, and mama's smiling, I'm happy. The world's peace is hinged on what? Circumstances. Was Jesus' peace hinged on circumstances? No, sir. I want to what he said. I am giving you the very peace that I have. Uh, we won't take time, but you can turn back to Mark chapter 4 where Jesus was in a boat. They were in a terrible storm. Twelve men were screaming, we're going to die, and Jesus was dead asleep. You know what that is? That's peace. The man was not the least bit affected by what was going on around him. The peace of God can't be touched by what's going on around you. All right, let me ask you a question. I wish I had that peace. You didn't read that verse. Go back and read it again. You've already got it. My peace I give to you. He's already given it to you. But I want you to watch something in this verse. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. Watch this. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What's troubled mean? Anxious, worried, upset, stressed. Of course, afraid means fear. Peace is what protects you from all those things. But I want you to notice something. What did Jesus say? I will force you not to be troubled. No. He said, you've got to make a decision. I'm going to give you my peace, but whether you enjoy it or not, it's up to you. Now, you've got to make a decision. Who, who is responsible for me being in peace, according to that verse? He's given it to me, but I have to choose. 
It's my responsibility. Here's a matching verse, probably on the same page. John 16, 33. Look at this. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. See if you agree with what Jesus said here. In the world you will have trouble. Y'all with him? But, but be of good cheer. I want to make an announcement. The commandment to quit stealing is a commandment. The commandment to be of good cheer came out of the same book. So I'm going to quit stealing and I'm going to be of good cheer. Once in a while a checkout girl will say, you sure are happy to die. I say, I have to. I have to be. It's a commandment of my religion. I have to be happy. <laughs> be of good cheer. What did Jesus say? I want you to look at this. These things I've spoken to me that in me you may have peace. Dear ones, I'm going to tell you something. There's a place in God where you can enjoy peace. Now you're going to have, listen, listen to me. You can, you can have peace in the midst of trouble. Can you see that in verse 33? You go, he, promised you, he promised you two things, trouble and peace. Now the world's peace says if everybody just straighten up, I could have peace. That's not the peace of Jesus. That's the peace of the world. We got something different. All right, and I want you to see this is the great promise he gives us that we can have peace. Um, let me, let me point you, let me show you a picture of the peace of God. I'll just, I'll just show you this. I showed it to you of Jesus in that boat. I said, well, that was Jesus. All right, how about a redneck fisherman? Not me, Simon. <laughs> we won't look at it. Acts chapter 12, Simon was arrested by a demon-possessed madman who makes Putin look like he's got good sense. He was put in jail. He was chained to two soldiers, one on each side, two soldiers in front of the door, and he'd been told at daylight you'd be executed. Because the king wanted to curry favor with the religious leaders. All right, you've been arrested for doing nothing wrong. You're chained between two soldiers. You've been told as soon as the sun comes up, your head's going to roll. How are you going to spend the night? An angel, the church prayed, an angel came in and tried to wake him up and couldn't wake him up. The Bible said the angel had to hit him to wake him up. How many of you could sleep like that when you're going to be killed in about six hours? You know why Simon could sleep like that? I could, I could, I'd love to see this in a movie. Get up, get up, get up. That man was sleeping like a baby. You know what that's called? The peace of God that passes all understanding. And Simon's redneck fisherman. He's not polished. There is a peace that this world can't touch. There's a peace where you can be quiet in the middle of a mess. And Jesus has given it to you. All right? Now, if you're, I hope you enjoy, I hope you like peace. I've met some peace people, I swear, I wonder. I hope you like peace. To have peace, you have to do one of two things. You have to either go somewhere where life is perfect... You want to hear option number two? Because <laughs> there ain't no place on this planet like that anymore. You have to find the peace of God and walk in it. Do this. There's the greatest statement I'll make tonight. The absence, the freedom from stress to live in peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is a person. Peace is not if all this will get. Peace is a person. It's somebody. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. We've seen this before, but this is, a, uh, this is one of the great Revelation verses. I'm going to say it again. Peace is a person. You don't, you don't find peace by getting everybody to behave or by getting a raise or by getting a new job. or by Peace is a person that walks up to you. All right, Romans chapter 14 verse 17 says this. Romans 14, 17, look at this verse. The kingdom of God is not physical, eating and drinking, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in who? The name of peace is Holy Spirit. 
Then can you see from that verse that the Holy Spirit brings three things into your life? He makes things right. He brings peace into your life. And He brings joy into your life. Then the peace is a, has a name. It's precious Holy Spirit. And peace is a person named the Holy Spirit. And He's the one that brings this stuff into our lives. And... Uh, Matter of fact, I want you to look, let's look at another one, probably on the same page, Romans 15, 13. These are two great verses you need to memorize. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and what? And peace. Where's peace come from? It doesn't come from winning the lottery. Peace comes from a person. God fills you with peace in believing that you may abandon hope by the who? Power of the who? The American church had better get to know the Holy Spirit or we're going to suck eggs just like lost people through this mess. I'm listening today. A new Barna poll came out, surveyed Christians, strictly Christians. 60% of American Christians say there's no such thing as the Holy Spirit. Listen to that. Well, they, they say he's a, he's a picture of God's goodness, but he's not a real person. The Holy Spirit's a person just like I am. And tell me what the Holy Spirit does according to those two verses. He brings three things into your life. Well, four. He brings hope into your heart. He brings peace into your life. He brings joy into your life. And he makes things right. Amen. And the American church, by and large, American preachers don't know the Holy Spirit. But we better get to know him. Because He is the peace of God. And, and listen, he, I love the verse in James that says this, Know ye not that the Holy Spirit jealously envies you jealously to help you. He really wants to help you. I think the old King James says it like this, Knoweth not that He lusteth to envy. That don't sound very good. But the new King James says He jealously yearns to help you. You got this, this man is wanting to help you. He's wanting to bring peace into your life. You got to let Him. I'm going to tell you something. There's no place where you'll, you can find peace, you know, in alcohol on a beach for a while. You do that Jimmy Buffett thing, but the bills are coming to you. Your wife's going to find out where you're at. You got to go back to work someday. Precious Holy Spirit is our peace and wonderful. I'm going to give you a few things to live in peace, to learn to live in peace. Number one, Jesus has to become Lord. Jesus has to be your Lord to have his peace. Now, if he's your Savior, you can go to heaven, but not with peace. When He becomes your Lord, heaven will get in you. Amen. Do you understand what I just said right there? The large majority of Christians are saved. They've trusted Jesus as their Savior. They're going to heaven. But Jesus is not their Lord and they don't have the peace in their life. Jesus has to be Lord for me to have His peace. I've got to let Him run my life. I have to make a decision. Um, let me quote to you Mark eight thirty five. Jesus said this. He who demands the right to run his life will lose it. But if you will give up your right to run your life and let me take over, you will find what you're looking for. Dear ones, it's not about, is Jesus, am I going to heaven? That's not the issue. Who's calling the shots in my life right now? And to have the peace of God, I have to let Jesus be the Lord of my life. Let me make an announcement. It's worth it. It's not worth it for me. It's not worth it to me to drive the boat and wreck it. I'd be glad to lock myself in the trunk somewhere and let him drive it. Number one, Jesus has got to be Lord. I meet so many Christians, I meet so many preachers. That I met a preacher the other day, so tore up he couldn't function because of some things going on in his life. If the peace of God is not bigger than what's going on around you, then God's not any bigger than what's going on around you. Greater is He that's in you. Now we know that, let's start living it. The peace of God is bigger than anything on this planet. Let me make an announcement. In America, we're not suffering much in America. Go to Uganda. Go to Somalia. Go to North Korea and stand up and say, I love Jesus. See what happens to you. 
And, and we, we're seeing those believers in those sub-Saharan African countries, they're being put to death and they sing while they're being put to death. Amen. You know why? Jesus is their Lord. And the presence of God is there. Uh, one of, I'm, I started saying, one of my favorite old songs, that's all I know is old songs because I'm old. Old songs captured great theological truth. Listen to this, when we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. When we do His good will, He abides with us still. And all who will come to church on Sundays, all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. We've got to get back to obedience in the American church. We've got to get back to Jesus as Lord in the American church. It's not because it's the right thing to do. It's because you need the peace that comes from walking with Him. And, and Jesus follows, peace follows Jesus. Right, I can do one of two things. I can have it my way or I can have peace. Guess which one I like. All righty, number two. Was that bad enough for you? Two's, two's worse. To walk in peace, you're going to have to surrender your right to understand. You're going to have to surrender your right to understand what's going on. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Brother Brian, what, what do you think's going on? Don't know, don't care. Ain't my monkey and this ain't my circus. <laughs> it is a wonderful place in your life and you just don't care anymore. All right. Then was you, you must surrender your right to understand what's going on. You can try to understand life or you can have peace, but you're not going to do both. You know why? Look in Philippians 4, 7. Let's read verse 6. Let's read the whole book. Four, six, verse 6. Be worried for nothing. I can't get an amen out of be worried for nothing. What, do y'all like suffering? Do you just like being miserable? <laughs> I read be worried for nothing. I said, get out of here. I'll never forget the first time I read it. I said, praise God. I don't know how to do it, but if the man said do it, show me how. I'm going to ask you a question. Said, Brother Brian, nobody can live without worrying. You calling God a liar? What's that say right there? Let me tell you something. If he put that in there, it can happen. Amen. Now, can I just, let me just appeal to you if you've got any sense at all. <laughs> I ain't got two more weeks. I can talk like this. Let me appeal to you. What would your life be like if you never worried? Think about it. That's perfect peace. I'd be worried for nothing, but in everything, everything, through prayer and supplication, with gratitude, not whining, gratitude, let your request be made known to God. Look in verse 7. And the peace of God that passes what? Oh, Understanding. Tell me what it'll do. It'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Do you see in verse 7, you can either have peace or you can understand what's going on, but you can't do both. If you sit around and try to figure out what's going on, you will never have peace. And until you say, I don't have to understand, I don't have to know anything. All I have to know is Jesus. And he runs the show, and I'm not even asking anymore. We've got to give up this thing. This American thing about understanding. Let me show you something about understanding. Turn with me to Psalm 133. This, I'll never forget the first day I decided I didn't have to understand anything anymore. That was one of the greatest. I had the best time that day. And I got done, and I said, well, Lord Jesus, my first day of not having to understand was wonderful. Guess what I'm going to do tomorrow? I ain't thinking about nothing tomorrow. I've heard arrogant preachers say, I don't think God means for you to check your mind at the door. Yeah, arrogant little snot. What 
do you, what do you get out of trusting the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding? How do you interpret that? There was the, his thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are above our thoughts. You're not going to find truth knocking around in your head. And you're not going to find peace sitting up all night thinking about something. This get better and better, isn't it? You, the answer is not between your ears, dear one. It's, it's not intellectual. It's a person. His name is Spirit. Right, let me show you. This is one of the smartest men that ever lived. He was the greatest ruler when he wrote this, greatest king that ever lived, and the greatest musician when he wrote this. Psalm 133. Uh, sorry, 131. Go back to one. We'll read them all. 131. Lord Jesus, my heart is not haughty and my eyes are not cocky. You know what he means by that? I'm not one of them snotty intellectuals. Neither do I concern myself with great matters and things too profound for me. What are you going to do with that? I am not going to sit around and think about stuff I can't understand. I'm not going to spend my time thinking about anything. I, I'm not going to look smart and try to figure everything out. Watch this. I have, I have, who did it? Did God do it? I have done it. I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Look at two people. Here's the very sophisticated professor, preacher, whoever. He's sitting, he's thinking it over. He's thinking it over. And over here's a baby. Got his head laying on mama's chest to sleep with his mouth open. That's the two pictures he paints. He said, I do not choose this. I choose this right here. I'm not going to sit around trying to figure things out. I'm going to go to sleep on God's chest. And if he needs me to know something, he knows my address. And you know what I really hope at this old age? I hope he don't need me for nothing. Dear ones, all I need to know is thus saith the Lord. Well, why do you think things are happening like they are? Don't know, don't care. You see, you're irresponsible. Call it whatever you want to. I call it peace. Dear ones, you cannot have peace until you give up having to understand everything. I don't even understand me. Do you think I'd tackle something so deep? <laughs> How much time do you spend trying to figure things out? When you could be enjoying yourself. All right. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. You can't trust God and try to figure things out. You've got to make a decision. You've got to trust Him. Trust Him with your life. What's the word for it? Faith. You've got to walk by faith. You have to be willing to give up the, the right to understand everything. Um, <clears throat> there was, you can try to understand your life or you can enjoy peace. Which one do you want to do? All right, you want me to, I'm going to show you the We Busted Psalm. You want to see the We Busted Psalm? Turn to Psalm 37 and, and mark this psalm. And I want you to go back and read it more this week. If this passage of Scripture is true, we're doing something wrong in this land. But thank God when he shows me something, guess what the word is? Change. I knew I wouldn't get amen out of the word change. <laughs> Dear ones, <laughs> you, you got to see this. This is the word of the Lord. Psalm 37 verse 1. Do not fret because of evil doers. What's the word fret? How many of you use the word fret? Come and say, Mom, you've been fretting today. <laughs> I've been fretting all day. No, what's the word fret mean in the Hebrew? Stress. Do not stress of evildoers. Any stress you know in the land today because of what's going on? What did the Bible say right there? Don't do it. Do not stress. Don't be envious. They'll be cut down. Verse 3, trust in the Lord. What's the opposite of stressing over what's going on? Trust God. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Watch these words. And feed on Facebook. <laughs> feed on the news scroll. What I need to be feeding on 
feeding my heart and mind on. Feed on the goodness of God. Feed on the faithfulness of God. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. What? Do what? Keep asking Him what's going on. No, trust Him. Trust Him. Watch this. He will bring it to pass. What if just one verse in the Bible were true? What if Psalm 37, 5 were true? Commit your way to God. Trust Him. He'll cause it to pass. He don't need your help. He don't need to explain anything to you, and you don't need to ask Him anything. Just say, I've committed my way to God. I'm going to sleep. I'm, I'm going to go dwell in the land and do good. And He's going to work it out. I'm not getting many amens tonight. I, I don't know if this is good or not. <clears throat> well, that ain't going to stop me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He, verse 6, He'll bring forth your righteousness as the light. Amen. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't get that until you trust in the Lord and quit fretting. Amen. Quit stressing. Verse 7, do what? Rest in the Lord. Relax, wait on Him. Don't fret. All right, you ready for the big verse? Verse 8, cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not stress, it only causes harm. What's the only thing that can come out of stress in that verse? Verse 8. What's the only thing that can come out of stress? What's the only thing that can come out of anger? So why do we do it? Because we've been trained and we need to get our minds renewed to the Word of God and begin to do things differently. And uh, this is such a wonderful... Uh, let's just look at one more. Verse 11. The meek. You know, what the, you know what meek means? Meek is not weak. Meek means I have turned it completely over to Him. You have to be strong to be meek. I've turned it over to him. The meek shall delight that shall inherit the earth. Watch this. And delight themselves in the abundance of what? Meek people will enjoy peace. They will, they'll, have, they'll just walk around all day long just enjoying peace. They're not upset. Their blood pressure is not high. They don't have vision problems. They're not angry. They're, not, they're just enjoying peace all day. Matter of fact, what will they enjoy? They will delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The day you quit fretting, turn it over to Him and quit asking Him to help you. Quit asking Him to tell you something. You can enjoy the abundance of peace. This is just the... I'm going to say it again. You can figure everything out or you can have peace. Which one you want? But you can't have both. It is a wonderful day when you do that. Um, I, I've known some people that overthink things. I call them overthinkers. And then they end up being drinkers. Because the more you think, the more you drink today. I've never known an overthinker to enjoy peace. Can't have, listen, listen to me. Get out of your head. I've never known people that take themselves too seriously to enjoy peace either. I'm just going to hack everybody off tonight. Look right here. Quit taking yourself so seriously. Start taking this word seriously. Amen. This is the secret to peace. Bring you great peace. All right. Y'all didn't enjoy that much. Let me try one more. I'm just all tore up about y'all not liking this. Number three. Where does peace always begin? It begins in your mind. Peace always begins in your mind. And peace is dictated by what you think about. Look with me. Romans chapter 8 verse 6. Well, let's, let's do two verses there. There was peace. People think they're upset because of what's going on around them. You're upset because of what's going on in your head. Yeah. Everything goes back to the mind and what you choose to think about. Y'all like that word choose? I ain't liking many words I'm saying tonight, are you? Romans chapter 8. All right, let's look at it. 
Verse 5, Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit choose to set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To be flesh-minded is death. Watch these words. To be Spirit-minded is life and peace. Let me say it from another version. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. You will enjoy life and peace. Amen. You want peace? Get your mind in the right place. Can you see that your mind is what determines whether you enjoy your life or you're miserable? And death there doesn't mean your heart stops, but it means miserable. Dear ones, if I want to enjoy my mind, enjoy my life and have peace, I got to put my mind in a certain place. If I want to be miserable, I got to put my mind in a certain place to get there. Can you see that wherever the mind goes, the man follows? Can you see that stress or peace follows the mind? It always starts with the mind. Listen to this. Isaiah 26, 3, one of the first verses I ever memorized. Great peace. Wrong verse. That's Psalm 119, 118. Excuse me. I got a little messed up there. Psalm 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. When my mind's in the right place, I'll live with perfect peace. I cannot be stressed until I put my mind toward the wrong thing. Uh, matter of fact, let me show you this in Scripture where Jesus taught it in the Sermon on the Mount. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. If your body and your mind, if, I, if you're completely full of darkness, it's your fault. If you're glowing in the dark, it's your fault. And let me show you how we get there. This, let me tell you, the Word of God is the key to life. Yeah. Jesus came for one reason. So you could have a wonderful life. I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You say, well, hit me with your best shot. No, you've you got to cooperate with Him. <laughs> He's done His part. He has given you your peace, but you've got to do your part. Now, here's my part. I want you to look at this with me. This is in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, where Jesus said this. Um, Matthew 6, verse 22. The lamp of the body is what? It's the eye. It's your eye. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Even though you may not know what that means. That don't sound good, does it? How many of you want to be full of darkness? No, I want, you can tell you want to be full of light. Full of darkness. If the light that's in you is darkness, how great is the dark? What did he say? Friend, you can be full of light. Peace and joy and hope and encouragement and zeal. Or you can be full of darkness. Miserable, upset, worried, fearful. It's your choice. How do I get there? My eye. My eye. The lamp of the body is my eye. You read here? Whatever I focus on determines what I become. Whatever I spend my time thinking about determines what I become. If I think about the garbage that's going on in this land and all the stupidity going on around, I will be full of darkness before long. And darkness will flow out of me. But if I, Colossians 3.1, if I set my mind on things above... Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Set your mind on whatever's true, inspiring, honorable, pure, beautiful, encouraging, faith-building, excellent, praiseworthy. If I set my mind on that, I'll glow in the dark. Amen. I said, Brother Brown, I, I thought it would just had to happen to me. Who's responsible here? The mindset. Listen, we've got to discipline our minds in this land. Americans have lazy minds. We got, that's why First Peter said, gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind right. My dad used to say, get your mind right, boy. I'm not sure what he meant, but I know what God means. Get your mind right. I meet certain people who just glow in the dark. And then I'll listen to them, because let me tell you something about me listening to you. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I can listen to you talk, I can tell what you've been thinking about. I can tell where you've been setting your mind. 
You know, if I want light, I got to set my eye on light. It all begins in the mind. Now, uh, let me, can I help you a little bit here about this mind thing? I want to think on things that are true, beautiful, encouraging. I want to think up and beautiful. Amen. Y'all gave me in that, can't you? I don't know why you want to think about crap. I want to think on things that are beautiful. But listen to me. I have a little bit of a struggle doing that sometimes. Can I get a witness? Let me help you. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers of darkness. And let me tell you the first thing they're going after, your mind. The battle is in the mind. That's why we're told to put on a helmet. Tell me what a helmet does. Protects your head. I'm telling you, do you want to find out if there are demons? You just make up your mind. Tomorrow, I'm going to think on the beautiful, the pure, the wonderful, the encouraging, the exciting. I'm going to do it all day long. See if you don't have a struggle. I'm telling you, there is a battle for the brain. Yes. But listen, what, listen all right, let, me help, let me help you here. That, I'm, I quoted Ephesians 6, 12. Gird up says this, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with dark powers. Guess what the word wrestle means? You know what wrestle means? It, in, right, in a wrestling match, it takes a while. In a wrestling match, it, it can go up and down for you. In a wrestling match, you can get your nose crunched. Are you with me? I wrestled in high school. It was different then than it is now, the weights. Highest ranked weight was 195 pounds. That's where I wrestled. And back then, unlimited was unlimited. Today, I think it's capped off about 260 or 280. Well, I wrestled 195. Our unlimited guy weighed 410. He came up to my shoulder right here. And his nickname was Lump. Named Melvin Collins. I loved him dearly. His nickname was Lump. Played nose guard on the... He came to right there. Big black guy. We were dearest friends. He had the gentle... He was like gentle being. Had the gentle spirit. He said, I did hurt you did a bigger... Said, yeah, 400 pounds laying on time. I'm having a grand time down here. He came up to my shoulder right there. Well, because we were the closest weights, we had to practice together every day. And uh, we, we would wrestle. And you don't just, you don't just, I don't know if y'all ever seen a wrestling match. Or not. You don't just walk out there and him hold your hand up and say, he won. There has to be some wrestling. You, you get hurt wrestling. You, you can get ahead and get behind and get ahead and get behind and still win. You get sweat on you wrestling. You get in a room where the temperatures turn up to 88 degrees so you can lose weight, and you wrestle somebody who weighs 400 and some pounds, see if you don't get some sweat on you before it's said and done. <laughs> wrestling is wrestling. It's not claiming it. I'm a winner. You've got to win to be a winner. You have to wrestle to be a winner. Are you with me? See if this don't happen to you. When you wake up in the morning, there's peace because your mind's settled down. But as the day goes on and you begin to think things begin to happen, the battle heats up. And we just... <sighs> a fellow said to me not long ago, he said, pray for me, Brother Brown. I'm just... I'm, I'm battling with depression. I said, don't look like it to me. I said, look to me like the battle's over and you lost, Doc. <laughs> no, no. Battle means to battle. It means I ain't going to lose this. I, I'm a, and, it, and listen to me. You don't think they'll run from you when you go boo? Read Luke chapter 4 sometimes. The enemy attacked Jesus. Jesus shut him down with the Word of God. He came right back. Jesus shut him down again. He came right back. You think he's going to walk off from you when you say peace? There was, we have to wrestle. You have to wrestle your mind and say, I am not thinking about that. I'm not thinking about it. Two minutes later, it comes back. 
And you go, oh, crap. Don't crap, wrestle. I mean, don't, <laughs> don't give up, wrestle. Listen, we wrestle not, we wrestle. We have to wrestle. It's a battle. But listen to what the Bible said. But you, if you wrestle, you will win. Yeah. Oh, let me help you. I ain't going to think about that no more. You lost. Yeah. You can't not think. <laughs> I know some folks can't. You can't not think. You, you can't just say, I'm not going to think about something. You have to replace thoughts. All right, number one thought in America that the enemies are using in people's lives today, offense. You get these thoughts in your mind about how somebody did you wrong, how stupid somebody is. That is not Jesus. That ain't you either. Good trees don't bear bad fruit. That mess comes into your mind. And it's just, it, it, there's no peace when you think like that. You understand what I'm saying? Because your mind's not in the spirit. There's no peace. You can't say, I'm not going to think about that. You can't do that. You have to replace thoughts. Jesus did not say, oh, I don't want to listen to that. Jesus said, it is written. It is written. You've got to start worshiping God and thanking Him and praising Him in the middle. There's nothing as powerful as praise in the human heart when your mind's being assaulted. I will bless the Lord at all times. We're going to have to get a spine in this land. We've got to start. There's a battle for the mind. Guess what battle means? There's a fight going on. If you lay down, you lose. Get some amens now, ain't it? We finally got them looking over here. <laughs> Dear ones, it, it's, it's a battle. Wrestling means to wrestle. Do not let your mind be captured by garbage and an enemy. Wrestle until you. Listen, well, how will I know when I won? Peace. Peace. Then you got to guard it. And you listen, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Your enemy knows this about you. He knows this. He knows James chapter 3. If I can get them in strife and get them bitter and get them angry, I own them. Yes. He knows that. He also knows this. He knows James 3.18. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. His whole goal in your life is to get you away from peace. If I can get them out of peace, I own them. Because God only works in an atmosphere of peace. There was God only works in a, from a place of peace. I'm going to quote it again. The seed whose fruit is righteousness is only sown in peace. I, will, I won't do anything till I have peace about it. I won't get out of bed till I have peace. I ain't going to bed till I have peace. I'm going to keep my mouth shut till I have peace. Yes, sir. All right, I'm losing my amens again. I was doing good for a while there. <laughs> I'm telling you. Let me do one more. Peace has to be chased. If you're sitting around hoping to have it, you'll never see it. You have to go after peace. You have to chase peace. We talked last week about the God chasers. Let me show you. Let me ask you a question from Scripture. Turn me to 1 Peter chapter 3. I've actually had preachers say to me, I don't think it's that important that we enjoy our lives. We just need to be holy. I think you spell holy, H-O-L-E-Y. You got holes all in your mess. I think somebody can shoot holes in your thinking. Dear ones, if it's not important to my father that I enjoy my life and be happy, why do he write this? Let's read it. You're going to see one of the greatest revelation truths you've ever seen right here. I love this. I mean, I love them all, but this one lights my fire. That's, that's old, you, old, you old young people, you don't know what that means. All right. Dear ones, God's going to ask you a question. I want you to answer it. Look in verse 10. 1 Peter 3.10. For he who would love life and see good days. Stop right there. How many of you want to love your life and see good days? Think about it. What's God asking you right there? Do you want to enjoy your life? Would you like to have good days? Well, let me ask you a question. 
If He wrote that in His Word, can you not see that He wants you to live like this? So, Brother Brian, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that'll be, but just a few more weary days. Knock that crap off. He said, do you want to enjoy your life? How many of you would love to say at the end of every day, it's a good, this was a good day. I, I had a great, I enjoyed my life today. If so I don't think that's that important, why did He put it in this book? All right, watch this. He who would love life. I want to love my life and enjoy it and see good days. All right, watch, <laughs> watch this. Let him refrain his tongue. I knew it. Not a single amen out there. So you were thinking you had to learn some deep mystery. I'd wave my magic wand. What does he say? You want to enjoy your life? Shut your mouth. I didn't write it. Right there it is. Restrain your tongue. Refrain means restrain your tongue. All right, from evil. And uh, your lips from speaking guile. Verse 31, turn away from evil, do good. Watch this. Let him seek peace and run after it. Tell me what I'm supposed to be seeking in my life. Peace. And what am I supposed to do? Chase it. You want to, hey, listen, you want to enjoy your life? Start chasing peace. Pursue peace. Peace has to become the most valuable thing in the world to you because when you, you can't do anything until you reach peace. And then when you reach peace, you can do everything else. Everything starts with peace. And I've made up my mind, I'm going to chase peace. I, listen, I'm addicted to it. I love peace. I enjoy being at peace. I enjoy not worrying. I enjoy not being afraid. I enjoy looking irresponsible. I just enjoy peace. Peace is the sweetest thing in all the world. And we need to be a people. If you want to, can you connect the two dots right there? You want to enjoy your life? Find peace. Enjoy your life? Find peace. Let me tell you something. I have a friend of mine. I had a friend of mine, and uh, years ago he was a pastor. He was a couple years older than me. We were young guys in little country churches, dear friends. He made me look conservative. I mean, he, he made me look mild-mannered. His name was Mike Lawen. But before Mike became a pastor, he was a big-time businessman, very wealthy. And God saved him. He got called to preach. So he went to preach in a little church, gave up all his money, gave up that nice car, lived in a little tiny house like country preachers do. <clears throat> And he had a friend who was a big businessman in Charlotte, and he began to be burdened, began to pray for him, and he made an appointment to go see him, talk to him about Jesus. So he said, I drove over to Charlotte, went up to one of the towers in Charlotte, you know, it'd be like the Wachovia Tower and Bank, Bank of America and all that. He said, I'm up there about the 40th floor, sat down with him in his beautiful office. You know, he'd got on one of them, uh, one of them Hart Shafter and Mark Silk suits. I got on a Kmart special. It was a long time ago. And he said, I began to tell him about Jesus. He said, he just looked at me and he said, what do you have that I need? He said, I hit, I hit me like a buzzard got in the face. What do I have that he needs? The guy's filthy rich. He owns his company. He's driving a, he's driving a uh, I think he's driving a Jaguar today. He said, what, what do I have that he needs? And he said, I almost ducked my head. And he said, out of my mouth came the words. I didn't mean to say it. I just said, I have peace. He said, it hit him like a Mack truck. And he dropped his head and said, that's something I don't have and I wish I did. You want to enjoy your life? Peace. He who would love life and see good days, chase peace. Let me make an announcement. Money won't make you happy. Money won't make you sad. <laughs> Let me tell you something about money. Money will just make you more what you already are. If you're excited and wonderful, money will make you more wonderful. If you're a pain in the butt, you'll be a bigger pain in the butt. Amen or oh me? Ask the Cardusians. <laughs> money don't change anything. It just makes you more what you got. It's peace. It's peace that bring, makes life great. Can't you see it in Scripture here? But you've got to pursue peace. You've got to chase it. You have to value. It's the starting point for everything. I will not start my day without peace. 
I ain't going to be no upset, strife, complaining, bad, mad, bothered, nervous, scared. I ain't doing that. I ain't going out to house till I have peace. I will not make a decision until I have peace. I will not start a conversation until there's peace between the two of us. I have learned my lesson the hard way. I'm not talking in strife. I'm going to live my life in peace. Yes, I'm going to sow in peace and I'm going to live in peace and I'm going to enjoy peace. Uh, let me show you another verse. Let me show you another verse. Oh, we got time. Here. Colossians chapter 3. We, we need help on this. So I'm going to load your wagon. Colossians chapter 3. Let me show you the best way to find the will of God for your life. And it's the number one way He'll lead you in your life. Now, most of the decisions we make are not covered in the Bible. Amen or oh me. They're not. The Bible doesn't tell you who to marry. The Bible doesn't tell you where to get a job. The Bible doesn't tell you how to spend your money. I mean, it tells you to, to be wise with it, but it doesn't tell you where to invest money. The Bible doesn't tell you who to run around with. All those questions have to be answered outside the Bible. So how are you going to know what to do? It's in Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. God will lead your life in every situation by peace in your heart. It, when you're fixing to do something and you, you don't have peace right here, that's the Holy Spirit saying, let's not do that. But when you, you're thinking about something or praying over something, fixing to do something, and there's this sweet, quiet peace right here, that's Him saying, go right ahead, I'm in this. I'm in this. How many of you have done something and uh, there was a, some people call it a check. None bigger than a check. Mine's like a hurricane. You have the, you're bothered right here. You, do, you don't have peace. You went ahead and did it anyway. How'd that do you? I've asked girls, why'd you marry him? I had a girl told me just yesterday, I cried right up to the time I walked down the aisle. God Almighty. Yeah. Where's your peace? You think he's going to grab you by the shoulder and say, no, go that way. That's not how he works. Let the peace of God run your life. You'll never miss it if you'll let his peace run your life. There's a person inside of you, his name's Holy Spirit. When he releases his peace in your heart, that's him saying, bingo. When he withdraws his peace, that's him saying, don't take another step, but we find out what's wrong. You can, you can never miss it. I met an investor one time who'd never made a bad investment in his life, and he was 60 years old. He said, nobody can do that. He did it. He said, I make investments strictly by the peace of God. I never make an investment until I get quiet for a day and listen. And if I'm even if it looks good, if I'm troubled, I don't do it. We, we can live like this. In the Old Testament, there's something called the Urim and the Thummim. Don't bother looking that up. But when they need to make it, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament like we do. The priest had a, 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 a robe on, he had a breastplate. Behind that breastplate was a stone called the Urim and the Thummim. And whenever they needed to make a decision, they would pray and then they would wait and he'd sit still. And if that Urim got warm against his heart, that was God saying, do it. If it didn't get warm, that was God saying, don't do it. That's exactly the picture of Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. How many of you ever said something, and, and as you were saying it, something down here was going, I wouldn't do that if I was you. <laughs> tell me how it worked out for you. <laughs> I'll tell them. How to, 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 to. And how'd, that, how'd that do you? That was God telling you, I wouldn't do it if I was you. Doings, you, your life, you can have the most wonderful life. You just let peace run your life. He's real serious about this peace thing and every decision. All right, there's two kinds of people on the earth. There's peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9, listen to this. God will do great things for the peacemakers. God will do great things for peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called the sons of God. 
We need to be a people who leave a, look behind me, leave a trail of peace everywhere we go. If we go into the bank, peace needs to be in there when we walk out. When we go into our homes, peace needs to be in that home. We go out to eat with somebody, they need, we, need, they, we walk off, they need to have peace on them. When Jesus was in that boat and there was a storm, he stood up and he said, peace. He turned a storm, he made peace. You know why he could do it out there? Because he had it in here. You can't give something you don't have. You got to, to make peace in your family, you got to have it in here first. Amen. To have peace in your marriage, quit waiting on her. Get it in your heart and then make peace in your marriage. I didn't get none of the female amens out of that. I was talking to you boys. You want peace with your children? Get it in your heart. Don't talk to your children when you're upset. Nothing, nothing's that urgent. You can wait for a little bit till you get peace. I learned, I, because I was nervous about the way I was raised, I learned, don't you ever talk to your kids till you get settled down. Get quiet. Don't preach ill. I don't want to be like Nehemiah who wept over people in chapter 1 and beating the hell out of them in chapter 13. Chapter 13 said, I hit them, I cursed them, I pulled out their beards because they wouldn't obey God. We can't treat people like that. We can let peace rule in our hearts. There's peacemakers, people who live a trail of peace behind them, and then there's storm makers. The Bible does not say blessed are the storm makers. Blessed are the strife, blessed are the pain makers. Don't be a pain maker or a storm maker. I just wonder some of you ought to be arrested for arson while you set things on fire. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers. <laughs> My goodness. Well, let me just give you one more quick word. You ever heard this? You are the light of the world. This is going to bother some of my Baptist friends, but I'm going to say it. You are the light of the world. You ever read that? Well, let's look at it. Tell me to Matthew 5. You needed to know this. In case you, some of you act like you never heard that before. I'm just going to say something. You see if you agree or disagree. See if you think this is right or wrong. If you think I'm wrong, send me an email. <laughs> Daniel at thelambschapel.org. <laughs> if you disagree with what I'm fixing to say, that's fine, but I hope you'll agree with what I'm fixing to say. Demons, we're the light of the world. What's the only reason you're left on this planet after you meet Jesus? It's not to know Jesus. You can know him better in the new earth. The only reason we're on this earth is to have an influence. Amen. They don't need me to consume cheeseburgers. The only reason I'm here is to be an influence in this planet or a light. All right, see if you agree with what I'm fixing to show you here. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You can't hide light, can you? Go try it sometime. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, trash basket, but on a lamp and it gives light to all the house. Do y'all agree with verse 15? You don't buy a lamp and take it in your house and put it in the back of the closet and cover it up with clothes. What do you do with a lamp? You put it in a strategic place to, to do what? Provide the most light possible. How many of you know the place you work? You're not there to make money. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it in a set place. You know why you work where you do? Because you're the light of the place. You know why you moved in that neighborhood? I had a lady told me, yes, she said, we thought we moved in this beautiful house because we loved it. I realize now we moved in this house to be near that church. You know, the reason you in the neighborhood you're in, you know why you're putting that family you're in? <laughs> you know why you married into that idiot family? <laughs> Nobody like, that was, that, y'all took that serious, didn't you? Listen to what God is saying. Nobody lights a lamp and hides you. He puts you somewhere strategically. 
Now listen to this. Listen to what the man says. Verse 16, let your light shine before who? Men. We're not talking about believers, lost people, that they may see your good works and do what? There is something about that God stuff. That's what it means to glorify God. I want you to listen to that. You are the light of the world. He has placed you strategically to influence people so that people will say, here's, all right, here's what I want to say. People talk about being a witness, a witness to people. Fussing at people because they're sinners is not a light. See if you agree with me. Light attracts. Even the bugs will come to a light. A lost mariner will come to a lighthouse. Then when light is supposed to attract, you tell people how stupid they are and they're going to hell, they go, whatever you got, I got to have it. That ain't happening. You know, I was talking about my Baptist friends. They were so proud. I, I let everybody know why I work. I don't drink. Well, they think you're screwy. They don't want what you got. Are you with me? I don't go to nightclubs. I bet they want what you got. We are so screwed up on this religious stuff. <clears throat> Light attracts. What's this suffering world supposed to see when they see me that attracts them? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know what attracts people? Peace. A man at peace, a woman at peace attracts people. They work with people. They just watch them. They just watch them. You know, they're skeptical toward this religion, but they cannot deny. Let, let me tell you what attracts people. When you've got what they want. You say, well, I don't drink. They don't. You think they want you or that? They don't want that. I don't do nothing wrong. They're probably, all you're going to see is heels and elbows. Those people are drawn to peace. People are drawn to hope. People are drawn to joy. Let me make an announcement. People like being around people that have got joy. You're crabbing and whining about how rotten everything is. People say, ooh, can I go eat with you? People are drawn to Jesus. People are drawn, listen, you know why it's called the fruit of the Spirit? Because it tastes good. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, I'm going to quote the whole verse. Then I'm going to show you something. I'm going to quote the whole verse. The fruit of the Spirit, what you see on the outside of a person when God's on the inside and He places you somewhere is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. You don't show up at 10 after 8. People should be begging. Do you know any Christians that can come to work here? They're the best workers I've got. Faithfulness, humility, and self-control. Let me finish that verse. Against such there is no law. Nobody ever takes out a warrant against those nine things. I have never in 42 years ever had somebody said, Brother Brown, I got a complaint. I got a complaint. One of your deacons moved in here by, beside me about a year ago and I, I can't stand them. Every time I'm sick, they come mow my grass. <laughs> they wash my car for me. They're so nice to me. They watch my house when I'm gone. They take care of my animals. I'm getting sick of it. <laughs> there is no law against the fruit of the Spirit. People don't criticize God. People, you say, my wife pisses me off so bad. She's just so peaceful. People don't say that. <laughs> I'm quitting this job. They're so happy here. No, people don't say that. 
Well, find me another go to school to go to. They're so kind to me here. That, that don't happen. There is no law against God, against the, the Spirit of God and the fruit of the Spirit. You know what the light of the world is? It's peace. It's the joy of Jesus. If some people look at you and say, I know you're weird. I see that Bible because I know you're weird. There's something about you that I need. That's the light of the world. You know what it is? It's the peace of God. Yes, sir. Peace is the most attractive things in all the world. So do me a favor. <clears throat> if you won't do it for you, bless God, do it for me. Will you be at peace just for me? How many times? Now, y'all got to remember, you say, you, a fellow sent me another day, he said, you sure are ugly about the Baptist. Yeah, I used to be one. <laughs> Son, I was a Baptist preacher. I can't go to hell. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Done been there. They called deacons meetings. Can I get a witness? How many have I been? And I wanted to holler, peace, peace, sweet peace. Somebody come to peace in this room right here. I'll probably get fried for that. All right, Lord Jesus, we just love you and praise you and thank you. Your word is so clear. This world's going to lose its mind. Actually, the judgment's going to fall and take its mind away. Lord Jesus, the world we're living in is getting crazier and crazier. You said it would. But you promised something called peace in the midst of the storm. You said darkness would cover the earth. We're seeing it. But you also said the glory of the Lord will be upon you. My spirit will rest on you. Instead of being wired and fried and crazy, you're going to be at peace. And there's going to be a joy about you that other people don't have. And there's going to be a sweetness about you. And you're going to love like other people don't know how to love. Not because you're good, because I'm in you. And I pray for every person in this room that they'd make up their minds, I am not going to live without peace. Lord Jesus, you were nailed to a cross to save my soul. But you were whipped at the whipping post so I could have peace. Your word said the chastisement, the whipping of our peace was upon him. Why would I want to be upset and bothered and fearful and not enjoy peace if you suffered so horribly to give it to me? I pray for every person in this room that really does want to walk in peace and know what it's like to sleep like a baby. To, live, to let not the hearts be troubled, not live in fear, to be relaxed. I pray that as they pursue peace and honor you, you will guide them by your Spirit. Dear Holy Spirit, I love you. I thank you for who you are and what you've done. I pray for every person in this room. If they'll pursue peace, you'll get them there. And we can live in peace. We can speak in peace and live in peace and be married in peace and just enjoy peace until one day the Prince of Peace comes back to this earth. Thank you for that. I thank you for the great promise. You must love us a whole lot to agree to die for our souls and be saved eternally. But before you were nailed to a cross to be tied to a whipping post and be whipped so we can enjoy peace in this earth. We give you all the praise and glory. We love you because you first loved us. Precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.